Welcome to the Relational Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Thompson, joined by my co-host, Austin Hill. He will be in part three in his interview with Wes Creed today. Hope you enjoy. Like you hear alumni talking about our guys in fourth phase, we'll, we'll change something in, in phase one and guys in fourth phase are like, oh, that's crap, because now it's different from when, when I was there. And so <laughs> it's changed. Like, so yeah. So if you were to compare but the your change time, is good. Yeah. Why, why is change good in your opinion? Because, I mean, we're getting better, you know. Uh, yeah, change has to happen, right? We all want to be comfortable and sit around, but that never leads to anything good. <laughs> yeah. You're either getting worse or you're getting better. Yeah. So, so, yeah. I mean, but, you know, we learn through change, mm-hmm. the refugees. I always say, from outside perspective, I think it's a, it's a testament to God's hand in the refuge that in those 20 years— Nobody ever like accidentally died. No houses burnt down. Mm. You know, I mean, there's just the crazy, like when you look at what it's went through and Mm. the changes and the people who are in charge at certain times, it's just like, yeah, it had to be God. There's no way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Well, good. So you were, so we, let's see, you were in Columbus. What was Columbus like when you were living, when you were in the refuge? What did it look like? <clears throat> um, I worked, let's see, I worked at Thompson's. Um, so, I mean, it's pretty similar to what it is now, just different buildings. I feel mm-hmm. like we woke up, we listened to Transformation Radio yeah. back then. Um, we went to work and then we came home and hung out a little bit, ate, slept and did it again. Yeah. We had, I mean, we had stuff that we did at night. I can't remember the different groups and classes that we had, but mm-hmm. we, uh, even back then we did feed my sheep. Okay. Um, some different outreaches and stuff. But I think like one big thing for me when I was at the farm and what made a huge difference in, okay, now I'm, I'm sober. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've kind of surrendered my life to God, but what's next, right? Because I'm still got all this stuff in me that needs fixed and okay. healing. Mm-hmm. Was I really latched on to, I remember Tom talking at one of the encounters and just saying, like, you guys just need to find somebody and tell them all your crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like all, find your, find all the, mentor. yeah, all the, well, not even that, just kind of getting out like all those years of like secret sin, mm-hmm. dark stuff, the stuff that beats you up like mm-hmm. in your head. You yeah. know what I mean? And I did. I, I made it my goal actually when I was at the farm. I did that for like a month. I just told people everything I ever did wow. bad. Mm-hmm. And that was a big part of my healing. Yeah. For sure. Because now I felt like, well, there was there was no like... There are no secrets. There's no yeah. dark place for them. Me to beat me up in my head or for me to beat myself up. Like it someone was all fully, out there. Yeah. Someone fully knew you. Yes. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Hmm. So how did your time at the refuge end? Um, when I got arrested by sheriffs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> at an orientation. Okay. So you're helping at your later on in the ministry. Yeah, so we also we had a coffee shop back then. I managed that for a couple months in my third phase, mm-hmm. uh, along with other guys. We kind of rotated that. Mm-hmm. I wasn't the manager the whole time, but I worked there for a couple months. I managed it for a little bit, and that was a cool experience. Um, and then I had actually got MRSA while I was staying at Braille House. And at, when I was on the men, after I got better— 
I forget how it happened, but they, uh, I went to help with orientation that week and I ended up getting arrested for something that I had done before I came in. Um, and it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. So I didn't actually complete. Okay. I was 10 months in, so I think I had three months left. Okay. Um, I was in prison for two years. Wow. And got out and immediately contacted the, well, it was the pastor of third phase at the right. time. What do you okay. call him now? Uh, directors. Director. Yeah. yeah. So the director of third phase and was like, hey, I'm getting out of prison. I don't have anybody good in my life except for like my sister. Mm-hmm. I need to like whatever I can do to come back around. At the time, they thought it really wasn't wise for me to come back through the ministry because yeah. I didn't relapse and I like I really focused on my relationship with God and personal development while I was in prison. Yeah. So I just knew that I wasn't going to be in a good spot, mm-hmm. even three years sober. Right. If I was just out there on my own and mm-hmm. I wanted to get back to the refuge. So you realize you needed to be connected. Yeah. Another part of that is um, my grandma had died had left me a little bit of money, nothing crazy, mm-hmm. but I have money in the bank. So that scared the crap out of me. Okay. And also Tom had started talking about this vision for basically 614, mm-hmm. Isaiah's. Yeah, Isaiah 614. Yeah. Uh, and about like guys buying houses in the bottoms mm-hmm. and like renting them to other guys. Yeah. And I was like, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, something I always thought would be cool too was to, you know, yeah. own properties and do that. So that seed had been planted. So I wanted to get back to that area and man, God worked it out. Uh, I just, I was like the guy on the couch mm-hmm. at the refuge. Yeah. So I was always at Braille or Princeton hanging okay. out with the guys going to every meeting, every group that they had. Mm-hmm. And they would just be like, why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> but that's all I knew. Mm-hmm. And I, I just knew that's where I was supposed to be. Okay. So, so, so how long, so did you buy a house in Franklinton at that point? No, I, so I was also connected with, at the time there was a little church next to Jericho's called Resurrection Outreach. Yeah, okay. And Tom had actually helped put them in that, that building. Okay. Um, so they had connections to the refuge. Sure. And that's where I was going. I had family that was going there. Okay. So I was there every Wednesday night and Sunday, and that was big. Yeah. That was huge for my spiritual and personal development. Consistently. Um, it's very hands-on like ministry. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. So they had found the guy that owned that building also owned a couple properties over on Yale. Okay. And was willing to rent to me. Okay. So that's that's where I went. I stayed in a hotel for like Two weeks out of prison, and then I started renting from Mitch, mm-hmm. and uh, I told him I wanted to buy the duplex next door. Okay. And he was like, oh, yeah, I'll sell it to you. But he wanted a lot more than I thought it was worth at the time. And uh, eventually, it felt like God, because eventually, after a string of bad tenants, he was just like, Wes, I'll sell you this place for, you know. Whatever the amount he, that you thought was appropriate. Less than what I thought was appropriate. Oh, that's appropriate. awesome. And scared the crap out of me, but it was all the money I had in my savings account, and I, mm-hmm. I bought it. And then it sat empty for two years because I didn't know what the heck to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you were living next to Yale. 
Yeah, because I didn't want to move out of that place because he told me he'd sell it to me also, but mm-hmm. I didn't have the money or the credit to buy it at the time. So okay. I was like, I'll just keep renting this place. And I always had a roommate, a guy that I graduated. So I had some really awesome accountability built yeah. in with that. You mm-hmm. know, I was kind of doing 614. Before it was 614. Yeah. That's awesome. So where were you working? Um, I worked at, when I first got out of prison, I worked at Thompson's for that whole summer. And then I started um, painting mm-hmm. with my cousin. And then I started painting for uh, WF Boland, got into the Painters Union. Um, yeah. So you, so then you started painting. Yes. All right. So, um, at this point, if I'm doing my math, right, this is like 2013, 14, 14. Okay. 14. So when, um, was what's happened from then to now? Like where, where are you now? So 2016, I met the woman who had become my wife. Mm-hmm. We started dating pretty quickly. Figure I was going to get serious. And I was like, man, if I want to like propose, I need to figure out what I'm doing with this house. And like, yeah. So that had a way of accelerating things. And uh, we, we ended up getting engaged. Uh, best, best thing that ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. And how'd you guys meet? We met at Refuge Church. Really? Yeah. So before it was Veritas West, you met yes. at Refuge Church. Yeah. Well, awesome. I saw her at Refuge Church. Yeah. We knew of each other through, through that cool. circle. That's awesome. It's another good reason to go to church. That is a good reason. That's a great great reason. Undefeated as the best place to find a wife. Yes. (laughs) Very true. I think that's the best. That's good. (laughs) This shouldn't be the motivation, but... It's helpful. It is. It's helpful. Yeah. That's good. I think there are... I can think of four guys right now who've met their wives at church. It's crazy. Yeah. At Veritas West. Yeah, that was... Yeah. That was just, uh, she's just been a model of God's grace to me. Insane. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Relational Recovery Podcast. We'll be in part four of our conversation with Wes Creed tomorrow. We'll see you then.